Hey, thanks for coming back to the Airport Minute, where each and every day we talk about one minute of the greatest disaster movie ever made, the 1970 Universal Pictures movie Airport. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your co-host tonight, Nancy O'Kane, and we are welcoming as our guest, Chris Henry, the museum program rep for the EAA Aviation Museum. Welcome back, Chris. Well, thanks for having me back again. I'm really enjoying this. I appreciate a man who in, who likes a good air disaster. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually the title on my door at work is uh, a man who enjoys good airline disasters. So, <laughs> uh, well, we will uh, we will bring our CVRs to you, and uh, uh, we'll check we'll check out this one. Right now, we're in the middle of a, a good solid disaster. A global Transglobal Flight Two is uh, has now had a an explosion in its uh, starboard uh, lavatory. And it's still still in the air, so that's good news. Uh, the uh, flight engineer, uh, Gary Collins, plays Cy Jordan, is in the back assessing the damage, and he's having a chat with uh, uh, Captain Dean Martin, who's uh, asking the, all the right questions about uh, how long the plane can stay in the air. Which is... that's, that's an important thing to know. Yeah, that seems a bit it's metaphysical. Still in the air. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the flight engineer does what any any good uh, uh, second officer does is say I don't know, but says yeah. it in a, in a nice in a nice you know the nicest way possible. Way of, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking at his dialogue here. He says, "Hard to tell. I don't know. Could be." Yes. <laughs> that's the kind of stuff Dean Martin wanted to hear. I'm thanks, sure. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for the help there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Technical uh, technical help there. Very uh, very detailed description. Yeah, it's you know. uh, yeah. It's, uh, my chief my chief navigator is a magic eight ball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I do I I do give them credit for, um, you know, at least sending somebody back there uh, depicting that. I mean, in in an airliner, you or in a large aircraft, you can't see what's back there. You know, you can't just turn around and look and see parts of your tail or anything. And uh, so I think that's kind of neat that, you know, they do reference that, that this giant airplane, you can't see back in the tail. You can't see what's going on in the, you know, the structure. So send somebody back and, you know, that is that is pretty much how they would have handled the, the uh, an incident of this nature uh, if it was still flying after two sticks of dynamite. But, I, I, uh, I can testify to this. Chris, I don't know if you were on the episode where I had talked about this, but uh, back in 1990, I was on a 747 Model 100. And we were flying from JFK to Heathrow, and about halfway over the Atlantic Ocean, uh, the left wing of of the 747 delaminated. The top the top of the wing, just the the, oh, whole, the surface structure, just kind of blew away, and you could see the green struts and everything. And the plane just kind of made a hard left bank and went into a spiral. We went from thirty thousand feet to two thousand feet. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's what everybody was saying. And, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I did not know that. And it was making this e sound that you never want to hear your plane to make. So <laughs> we were going through, you know, cloud bank after cloud bank after cloud, and the water was coming up. So it was like, oh boy. <laughs> so uh, he finally leveled us off, and uh, the plane was like shuddering, and he must have had it just near idle. I mean, it was just just hanging there. Uh, so I was in the business class of this uh, 747, and down the spiral ca- uh, staircase came uh, two guys who I guess were the co-pilot and one of the flight engineers, and uh, they had their big green um, Boeing binders, and they were looking out the window, and they had the schematics opened up, and they were looking out the window saying, that's there, that's gone, that's there, that's gone. And oh. then they, 
<laughs> yes. So I felt it's like, well, so then they uh, they went back up the staircase and then the captain came on and said that uh, we had uh, we had lost part of our aircraft and the uh, we won't be making uh, Heathrow. <laughs> so everybody was oh, my like, God. OK. <laughs> And so, so uh, what? What he did come back on. He said we were going. Uh, he said we've been talking back to Kennedy, the uh, uh, dispatchers in Kennedy, and they said that uh, we should try for Shannon. And then he said Shannon's in Ireland, and that's about uh, three hours and fifty minutes ahead of us at this speed. So we, so for three hours and fifty minutes, we crawled along across the Atlantic at about maybe three thousand, five thousand feet, in around there, with oh the plane, the plane shuddering left and right, like. Uh, like like it was a banjo and just kind of so <laughs> we finally we finally got to uh to ireland and landed and uh they had the i think every piece of fire equipment in ireland was lined up on the runway but he landed it like you would you know just perfect touchdown um wow and uh, one of the things i didn't know that after the plane had uh lost it lost all this stuff of course it had to go somewhere and it apparently hit the vertical stabilizer you know it's a big big oh, target wow. on the back and they were having a hard time like pointing the plane toward ireland and the reason <laughs> that we had gone left it the rudder had locked left wow, and so, wow. <laughs> yeah so we were yeah it was quite a apparently he just like shook the thing loose and it you know finally righted itself so it was quite a quite a thing we got uh about 12 hours after we landed, Saddam Hussein invaded uh, Kuwait, so we kind of got knocked off of uh, CNN, but that was their top story for a little bit. And, um, wow. Yeah, that wow. was a, so. But yeah, I, I can confirm that they do actually send people down after a disaster to, to check stuff out. Oh, this, this, <laughs> apparently, uh, uh, Gary Collins didn't need a, uh, a binder to find out what was wrong. <laughs> No, you know, and you know, you know that on your flight they were calling back to somebody like Joe Petroni. To oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure there was a guy with a cigar going, "What did you yeah. do to the plant?" Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm sure they were calling all the O Petronis in uh, in Ireland to uh, to make sure that they'd be there to get get ready for you know the crash landing. But uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Wow, yeah, quite a. <laughs> I I I have never feared any kind of disasters like this because I figured well the odds of me you know I know that I know that uh, probability doesn't work that way but uh, I, I figure I'm the safest guy in the air now. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's uh, wow. That's something else. Yeah, <laughs> I did not. That would have been quite the adventure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and I think they they fixed the plane and it it worked for Tower Air for a number of years. I think it's out in Kingman somewhere now, but it, it's still around. Wow. It hasn't been like scrapped. <laughs> quite, wow. Quite a well, you know, uh, on in an earlier episode, we were talking about the uh, uh, the Hawaiian. It was a low high air. Uh, yeah. Seven. I think it was seven thirty-seven, or I don't know what it was, but uh, the airliner that lost the roof, and I believe that thing ended up going back into service somehow. Wow. <laughs> um, I thought I read somewhere. Don't once again, don't quote me. I'd have to look it up. You're testing all my airliner knowledge right now. No, but, it's uh, okay. I, I'm pretty sure that. Uh, that uh, that did that airplane ended up back in service again. Wow. Well, you know they changed the tail number. Nobody's the wiser. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a pretty pretty exciting moments out there. Um, yeah. But uh, but dear dear old Sai is reporting back that everybody seems to be okay. He he didn't mention about the magic markers hitting everybody in the eye, but uh, <laughs> apart from. Uh, I forget how he said it. It was something like uh, puking and shock. Yeah, shock, shock and puking. puking. Yeah, 
yeah. yeah. Cuts and bruises, shotgun puking. There you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's uh, a new bandage commercial, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so, cuts and bruises, shotgun puking. <laughs> wow. It's, uh, yeah, the 24 hour emergency clinic can handle all this stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I had, a, I had a question. It says uh, the medical help is good, and he says, I'm going to cut off the passenger oxygen. Where would you cut off the passenger oxygen? Is that back at his uh, navigator panel or the engineer's panel? It would be. That would be up in the cockpit. Um, I don't necessarily – I don't know what altitude they're at at this they're, point. They're, they're descending out of uh, 8,000, I think. They're coming at 10. Okay, well, then you wouldn't need the oxygen, so you can get rid of the oxygen. But uh, – I guess I, I don't know if that would be a priority for me to switch off the oxygen just because there's a lot going on on this airplane right now. But yeah, uh, but yeah, that would be up in the cockpit. Uh, you, they are able to uh, to there are oxygen controls in the cockpit. I, I don't really know how those are laid out in something that that big, but. Uh, but yeah, that, that absolutely does exist. So yeah, I, I at the time I don't know. I'm not sure at the time, did they use uh, actual bottled oxygen or did they use those generators that um, they were like solid, they're almost like candles that burn and make yeah. oxygen? Um, yeah, at this time, um, gee, I don't know. I would have to, I would going to guess at this point in airline industry that they were still using bottles. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, this is, uh, you know, I don't think those generators and stuff really came around the late 70s, early 80s. Um and uh, I know they used, I mean, they used the bottles, the big green bottles. I mean, there yeah. are airplanes still use those that are in service. Wow. Uh, you know, so, yeah, the, the, well, I would guess it's still there. I yeah. mean, they were still using single, uh, the early stage jets on this thing. So yeah. um, I would guess that they were still using bottles. I, I remember that the, was it a value jet that went down that had the, the, the generator yes. had caught fire? That's right. Or, or some, they, they, had had... A, uh, they had a spare tire. Uh, leaning up against their stock stack next to uh, a big pile of those things that were marked as empty, but they weren't empty. And there was a, there's like a striker on it, and it somehow got ignited. And um, it those started a fire, and then it caught the tire on fire, that spare tire, and that spare tire was pressurized. Oh wow! And that all went. It 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 just took out the whole belly of that airplane. Wow. And uh, when that when that belly went, it took all the control cables to the aircraft, and uh, there was no, you know there was no way to control that aircraft uh, when yeah. it crashed. Yeah, and they were on they were on descent, right? I mean, it was either on descent or just before. Yeah, they I were think a little were, shy of the runway. Yeah, they were on descent. They ended up in a swamp, and yeah. uh, it was uh, it was a pretty nasty crash. So, yeah, uh, I, a friend of mine actually was uh, NTSB investigator there, and uh, he shared. Stories one night over a couple of beers, and that was yeah, that was a pretty rough uh, scene apparently. So yeah, no, but, difficult. Time. I mean, I, I mean that's the, the problem in watching a movie about airline disasters. It brings up so many other airline disasters. But there's a lot of people that follow it and learn from it. So uh, oh yeah, these yeah. things. Uh, and actually, that if if memory serves, the value jet changed the that that value jet accident uh, changed the way that they put oxygen distribution systems on particular type of device I believe wasn't allowed. You're right. I, that was I, I believe they were in the process of changing the regulations and then that happened and that really forced it through. Um, but they did get fined because they still even with the old regulations had done it improperly. Yeah. And 
and, and that was, I mean, that was, that was it. That was a, you know, there was nothing wrong with the airplane. It was what was inside the airplane. And, uh, and there was a female captain and that was, uh, early on when female captains were not normal to see. And, uh, I remember early investigations it was like, well, you know, did she screw something up? I mean, I remember that on the, they, they, they suddenly brought up that there was a female captain and then, uh, you know, after yeah, the it, was, it wasn't her fault that they loaded a plane with with those generators yeah. and put it next to the next to the yeah, tire. They, yeah, you know, she, they were saying that you know she didn't even have any control over it at that point. There was all the wires were blown out and everything, so all the cables. And um, yeah, I mean, but I remember that distinctly. There, there, there was this talk of, well, she was a female captain, and you yeah. know, and then you know later it was like, well, yeah, the airplane was unflyable. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, whoever was sitting up there wasn't wasn't going to have any control. It just turned exactly. Away. Yeah, bad bad sim. Yeah, so yeah, Dean uh, Martin may have been able to pull it off. I yeah, think. <laughs> more more right rudder. That's what you, yeah he needed. Yeah, Dean Martin would have had another uh, scotch or something, and he went and take care of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Well, they, uh, so after after uh, Cy Jordan turns in his report, we get rid of the split screen and we go back to uh, the full cabin. Captain uh, Barry Nelson uh, turns in and says. Uh, that the break just happened the side of the tail, and we better sit down as fast as we can if we can. I I don't know what the other plan is other than that of you know let's <laughs> no let's keep going. Maybe we can make Denver or something. You know, these, these people have connections. We got to get them there. Yeah, you know. <laughs> it's like this is gonna... um, yeah. I I gotta be honest with you. If if there's an explosion on an airplane, you're uh, that's it. You're descending and you're looking for any piece of pavement that. Uh, you know, any airport you can you can land this thing at, yeah. and uh, you know I don't even think there would have been uh, a conversation. I don't think I think you would have sent somebody back to see what happened. Yeah, um, but that would have all been taking place as you were descending. <laughs> yeah, I th- I, th- I think Barry Nelson would have done that by himself. I don't think he would have waited for Dean Martin to get up to the front of the plane. It was just like yeah. let's go, <laughs> let's go, let's go, mayday, mayday, and down. You know. Yeah. Put it on the. Yeah. I I don't understand why they're heading west. Why don't they head like due south? If you're, you know, aren't they having weather problems? So they're flying through a storm. Yeah, there could be there could be a large storm system uh-huh. going going all the way through. Maybe it's a a whole thing. But um, yeah. I just I can't believe that there are no you know, if if Chicago is actually letting planes go, there must be some place else. Also, the idea that okay, you can't land at Lincoln, but as far as I know, Link, you know, even though Lincoln is the mythical uh, Chicago airport, I would think there would be Midway. Um, you know, if if if, oh, if if Lincoln's supposed to be O'Hare, then I'm assuming that there's a Midway, and Midway would have a uh, a runway capable of handling. Uh, well, this. you know, I'm a controller in that area. <laughs> oh, I okay. can tell you that. Uh... Uh, you know, you had, uh, if they had departed, you know, we'll say O'Hare, uh, you know, you had O'Hare Midway, you have, uh, geez, you have South Bend, you have Gary, you have, uh, even Elkhart has a 5,000 foot runway out there, 6,000, 6,000 foot runway, uh, that you can get an airline, you know, you can get a jet down there in an emergency. Yeah. Um, well, aren't there air bases? I mean, you could, from, if, if you said Cleveland, you could go to Dayton. I mean, you've got, uh, Wright-Patterson, oh, yeah. you've got... Well, well, there's bad. There's an air base in Battle Creek, um, Battle Creek, Michigan. You know, I mean, uh, that's just up the road from yeah from uh, Elkhart and South Bend. You know, but yeah, if you lose if you lose something bad in uh, in Chicago, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of airports to go to, and then it's coming up even 
you know, in Wisconsin, Milwaukee isn't that far. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, so there's, there's a lot of places to, uh, to abort, you know. Yeah. I just, I, I can't, you know, even back in 1970, all these places were there. And if the commercial, the commercial aircraft wouldn't do it, I would think that a military base would have, you know, they'd go out there with flamethrowers and burn down everything on the runway. It just, it it's not oh well it again it doesn't support the uh, the storyline it just seems <laughs> well, like well that's just it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. now it, it, be, being here's an atc question as this is this is coming around they've turned around they they finished talking to toronto center they're doing a handoff to cleveland what's going on the ground while this is all happening is toronto calling cleveland how 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 is that web like what's the phone chain there when they're when they're coordinating well they're they're really uh there there's a there's a, a frequency basically that you're in each other's ear you push a button on your console and then you can talk to whoever this is whatever you know what let's say there's three facilities that you talk to on a regular basis uh you would have this little box programmed with those three facilities where you just touch a button and suddenly you're talking to the radar room at wherever or you're talking to the center at cleveland uh, you know, whichever your common, uh, the ones you talk to every day, you know, right. different thing. Um, so it's just a simple touch of a button. And, uh, from my experience, you know, how you would go, you, you your verbiage, you, you touch it and you would just say, uh, let's say, uh, we're talking, uh, you know, from one airport to another, one facility to another, you just, you know, touch a button and you'd say, you know, center Elkhart. And right away, you know, that center over on their side, uh, they get their frequency dial up and they hear, you know, you saying, Hey, you know, I, I need you for something. Um, and that's the, how you verbally, you can actually hand off aircraft that way. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, that you, you can actually call and say, Hey, pick a fix. Let's say we have a fix on the radar screen called uh, grace. You know, you'd say uh, two miles North of grace, uh, a 707, you know, that's got an emergency situation. Uh, you'd give them all the information and you'd hand them off to center. The other way you can do it, uh, which is normal. If this was a normal operation, then which this is not, because emergency, you would do a verbal call up and talk to everybody. Normal operations, you'd actually click on on the radar screen. Picture the old Atari yeah. golf game, you know. Okay, yeah. Um, you, you would just slew uh, or whatever type of device you have now. Oh, and drag over to where you. Yep, you drag over to there, and every center has a. Uh, every facility has a single letter identifier in your area. So, say Cleveland Center would be a C. So, what you would do is you'd click on that to the the skin tag on your screen, and then you would just type in a C and then click it again. And what that does is it flashes for the guy over in the center. It says, "Hey, here's this jet I'm handing you." And okay. He would take it. And it would flash back to you and said, "Hey, he took it." You know. And oh, okay, says, yeah. So, so and once yeah, he, um, once then, that flashes back and it says. Yeah, he took it. You just would tell the airplane one last time, contact Cleveland Center and give him the frequency, and, and that would be it. Wow. Yeah, and he'd be seeing that. I mean, they, they switched the transponder about two minutes ago. They switched to 7700, so he see that double bloom. On oh, yeah, everybody's going to see that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah no, you'll, they would both see something like that. And uh, so that's how it is. But like I said, this is an emergency, so they would be talking to each other and saying, hey, you know, we're looking for a place for this guy. He's got, you know, uh, you know, wounded airplane, here's the rundown of what he has. Uh, give him the most information you can. And especially in a center, a center is, you've got a little bit more time to play with in a center than you do a control tower. Yeah. Especially like O'Hare or Midway or something like that. You know, centers, centers are working on space in these guys and getting them ready for the long haul. You know, they're not usually 
pushing tin as hard as the guys at the, the air up, up and down facilities are. Yeah, I just uh, I was just trying to figure out how many people like these guys are working the problem in the cockpit, and yeah, you know you've got Toronto, Cleveland, uh, Toronto Center, Cleveland Center, Chicago, and then Lincoln as you know Lincoln's approach. Uh, right, so they're all talking to each other at this point. I would think they would all they would all know what the plan is and where you know where things are going and what the options are. So it sounds like everything's closed. Cleveland's closed. Everything in Chicago except for Lincoln is closed. I think they mentioned Detroit. They said Detroit. They could he could make Detroit, but it's snow over ice. So right, yeah, all these are a long way from uh, from where they could get it landed. And that's how how it worked. Uh, I, I there was one emergency I worked that was a long flight like that, and and that's actually how it worked was a um, departure airplane. On, uh, uh, upon departing an airport, they experienced a problem. Contacted the departure, departure called the center, center called the radar approach, and then radar approach contacted me. I was in the tower. I, and being in the tower, I'm the one that contacted airport manager and, you know, crash rescue, fire rescue, and everything like that on the field. So, uh, it was sort of a trickle up to a point and then trickle down to the guy that's actually at the receiving facility and, you know, I'm the guy calling the fire trucks and everything. So, right. Wow. Well, I mean, it sounds like I would think an aircraft in trouble, you don't have a lot of time. Like you only have maybe 10 minutes to work this kind of a problem. I was I was in an unusual situation on my 747 where I was out in the middle of the Atlantic and we were still <laughs> yeah, airborne. Is, yeah. You um, actually you actually uh, sort of survived a version of this film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, and it's just it it doesn't seem like like that seemed to me an unusual long time. Like I would think that an incident yeah. like this takes about 4 minutes. And I mean, yeah, that's, no, why, like, that's why they only make the cockpit voice recorders last about 30 minutes because that's all that's going <laughs> to – either you're going to land or you're not going to – yeah. You know, the, the incident that I was part of was actually a gear retraction problem. Uh, wheels did, one wheel came up, one wheel – and then they got jammed. That was uh, the issue coming all the way in. It was that. So it was a – we're going to continue trying to do some hard maneuvers, try to unjam the landing gear, uh, which they eventually were able to do. Wow. You know, but it was still one of those things of it was unusual. Yeah, usually, to be honest, usually you have maybe a minute or two notice. We've had, uh, I think I've I may have told you the story before, but my first control uh, day, my first day alone in the control tower, I got an emergency, and it was a uh, a jet uh, that had a fire in avionics bay, and that uh, was coming in on fire, and I had maybe about a. Geez, maybe about a four or five minute notice. We had a direct line to the fire department that's on the field. I immediately called them. Interestingly enough, uh, when something like that happens, you start writing down time uh, as you think of it on a notepad. You know, uh, when I when I got the call, the first thing I did was I wrote down the last two digits of the of the time. You know, I called the fire department. I wrote down the last two digits real quick. And it's not pretty, but it tries to get you a, a when you go back to look through the event, you can say, OK, well, it took me six minutes to get the fire trucks on the right place on the runway. And, you know, and it's just sort of a little uh, a little note to yourself when you're going through everything that night, just you know, how long this took to play out. It's amazing. It, it must it must feel like it was hours long, and it was actually, oh, six minutes from yeah, this it, to it that. Yeah, it felt like it was a good hour long, and I think at the end of the whole day, it was something like like 13 minutes or something like that. And, wow. uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I guess, I, I mean, when you see a movie like this, you can kind of, even though it is a soap opera, it's a giant soap opera, but a lot, so much of it you can still relate when you're when you're. Oh, yeah, it, so. absolutely, absolutely. It, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, the... And once again, you know, there, 
stuff like this very rarely happens today, which we're lucky. Um, but you know, working yeah. in the aviation industry, there is still a sense of I could go work somewhere else, but why would I ever want to do that? You know, there is still that sense of adventure, uh, that sense of you don't know what's going to happen today when you walk in the door. And, and 90% of the time, it goes absolutely uh, as it should. And then there's the other times where it doesn't. <laughs> you know, you know that's what I make beer for. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it this is a pretty good minute for um, for that kind of stuff, or at least and and talking oh, about things. Did you have to wear a tie at one o'clock in the morning? Because I noticed this. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> so my first uh, uh, my first day on the job, I I bet you uh, any money that back in that time period you did. Uh, I bet you that's actually pretty accurate. Uh, if, if you want to reference that, you know, go back and look at the guys working mission control at NASA. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, back then, and they're wearing, you know, shirts, white shirt, tie, pocket protector. Yeah. And the same, uh, the, the Plantronics headsets are probably <laughs> the same too. So it's just. Oh yeah. 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 Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that when, uh, when I went to work, I had worked uh, a medical helicopter dispatcher. And when I went to the control tower, it was the same headset. I mean, the exact same headset. Uh, and the same headset I worked ramp control in Pittsburgh. It was the exact same headset still. So, um, yeah, the same attachment, everything. But uh, so seeing all these movies and seeing Mission Control, uh, you know, my first day on the job in the control tower, I walked in with khakis and a uh, with a nice polo on and everything. And I'm like, okay, well, at least I look somewhat professional. And my tower chief kind of looked at me and he's like, are you going to a wedding after this? And, <laughs> and, uh, oh, and you know, we can do jeans and t-shirts up here. I was like, okay. And uh, so that was uh, the last time I ever dressed up for work. <laughs> so, it's casual, <laughs> casual Monday through Friday. Yeah. So. Absolutely. But I have no doubt that at that time period, you know, you had to dress up to even get on an airplane back then. Oh yeah. Yeah. They would, uh, yeah. I, I used to fly, my mom worked for American airlines and, uh, as a non-rev, if you wanted to get, oh. uh, if you want to get a non-revenue ticket, you better have on a shirt and a tie and, or at least a shirt with a collar. Cause if you had, you know, yeah. forget it, they wouldn't even board you. So I think, and, and I don't, I can't speak as too recent, uh, cause it's been a while since I worked for an airline, but uh, when I the last time I worked for an airline, it was still that way. Um, back in the two thousands, early two thousands, that you, uh, you know, you still had to have a collared shirt or a tie or something on. Yeah, I I, I can specifically recall I had flown to uh, St. Thomas down uh, down at Frenchman's Reef, St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands, and Eamon Carter the third, the grandson of Eamon Carter, who started American Airlines was on my flight and he got on with uh like cargo pants he had cargo pants and uh, sandals and he sat down and he sat down in first class and wow. the captain was you know had, it was before 2001 <laughs> the captain the door was open and he talked to the uh, uh the ramp guy and the ramp guy came out with a clipboard and said uh, you're going to have to go sit in the <laughs> sit in the back it was you know Eamon <laughs> Carter's grandson but no you don't get to wow. sit in first class just like that so Wow. Um, wow. I would have hated to be that guy. <laughs> to go up and tell him. Yeah, that, so. yeah. It's, a, <laughs> it's just hopefully he doesn't go home and tell uh, you know one of the other family members or the board. But you know, <laughs> hey, that's the those are the rules. And, and that that was the whole yeah. I mean it was a very hierarchical thing no matter uh, but you had to follow the rules or you didn't get on the plane. So that was Yeah. the way it is. And you know, nowadays it looks like you're getting in uh you've walked uh, into a laundromat or something. It's just kind yeah, of Yeah, it's a get on a bus. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're, you're just lucky if the, the 
people makes you keep their shoes on while they're, um, <laughs> while they're sleeping. Yeah. But it does help, though, if they've overbooked and you're going to get bumped up to first class, they're going to pick the ones who are wearing shirts and ties. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, still goes to that. Yeah, yeah. When I travel, I always at least have a polo or a, or a nice shirt on. Just, just cause you never know what's going to happen. No, if you, if you look, <laughs> so. you just have to look tidy. You know, if you just look tidy, it's yeah. it's fine. And it, it's a it's a world. If you show up looking like an unmade bed, they're not gonna they're not gonna board you. So just keep going with <laughs> exactly. that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, this has been a, another thrilling minute, and I, Chris, I appreciate you so much. We we had called you at the last minute. We had a, a couple of our guests bailed, and uh, you are, uh, in the candy store of life, you are a lifesaver. So thank you very much. <laughs> well, thank you very much. It, it's an honor to get to do these. I enjoy it, and uh, I, I hope to come back uh, again. Well, I, I hope so, too. We're going to have a lot more ATC action, as you well know. So we'll, we'll probably have you on uh, where, where the uh, the ranting and ravings begin. It's uh <laughs> It's going to be a lot of lot of fun. Call on me on me anytime. I'm always happy to help. We'll do well, great. Well, th thanks again. And listen, enjoy the new year. And yes, we'll definitely have you back here uh, for folks who want to uh, comment more on this particular minute or any of our previous minutes. You know the drill. The uh, social media available is uh, Twitter Airport Minute, Facebook Airport Minute, or the Airport Minute Commanders Club, where everybody chats back and forth. Uh, we also have a great big website, airportminute.com, where you can get all the previous episodes and pick up some cool swag, like these nuts are stale shirts and all that kind of jazz. <laughs> so uh, lots of that. And uh, please, while we're still on the air here, uh, you can subscribe. Go to iTunes, uh, search for Airport Minute and subscribe. Click the button. You'll get a fresh episode delivered Monday through Friday for the rest of the series. So join us there uh, on iTunes. Uh, join us tomorrow when we find out some more uh, – problems with where to where to put this plane down and, and what to do next uh, and also more of Dean Martin's personal life uh, getting involved here as we finish up the week and the year uh, back here and uh, if you're listening to us on the first recording we're just finishing up in 2016 so remember the good old days uh, here here on the airport minute so uh, we'll see you again uh, tomorrow Friday as we end the week uh, on the airport minute until then good day bye everybody thanks for being with us nice going sweetheart Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling.